0: Uh, It's great to be here. It's great to uh, talk about how uh, we're winning the West and we have opportunities to win more in the West. We have an opportunity this morning to hear from some Westerners who uh, really put it away in difficult districts with sizable margins because they ran really good races. I want to set the stage though as we go into 2016 to talk about where we're at as a conference um, and what we face uh, out in the electorate. Uh, recognizing that this is a different cycle than last cycle. There are these other people out running for office, you may have heard of them uh, for president, uh, which changes the global atmospherics, if you will, uh, of what we will all operate under. But uh, the House is different than the Senate, the Senate's different than running for governor, and we want to focus on the House this morning. So let's start with where we are in 2016. There are 26 House Republicans in districts that Barack Obama so that's where we start, 26 in districts that Barack Obama carried. There are only five Democrats left in districts that Mitt Romney carried. One of those is uh, Kirkpatrick in Arizona, who's not running again, and that is an open pickup opportunity. By the way, there are only two hers and Colin Peterson seats left that have Democrats in them today that George Bush, John McCain, and Mitt Romney all won those districts. There were seven going into the last cycle. We won five of those. There are two remaining. Arizona won. Kirkpatrick's now open seat will be a huge priority for us to win because just like when we took out Barrow, once you win one of these seats, we should be able to hold it without much future investment. It's getting it in the first place. That will be the challenge. (coughs) And so those are obviously districts we'll be focused on. Now, as we look at the turnout model, for 2016. It is different than 2014. We are well aware of that. and have been doing a lot of research, a lot of study, a lot of testing, a lot of data enhancement and improvement to understand fully what the electorate can look like and what it will look like and how we can affect that. We anticipate that this electorate will be 8% more independent. Republicans would lose um, five times as much share of the electorate as Democrats do. All right? We know that going in. 4% less white. Hispanic share will increase by 1.29%, we estimate. 18 to 34-year-old turnout will increase by 7% over what it was in 2014. And men will see their share increase by 1.5%. Women voters will actually go down as a percent of the electorate by 1.5%, interestingly enough. Now that's sort of the overall changing electorate view. People ask me all the time, so how's it going to work if name your candidate is to nominee? Well, first of all, it's too early to tell. Um, As Charlie Cook famously uh, said, eight years ago I declared I would win the Tour de France before Rudy Giuliani won the Republican presidential nomination, even though he was sitting atop the polls. With Donald Trump and Ben Carson in mind, I'm thinking such a proclamation might soon be in order again. Point being, that in the previous election cycles, the eventual nominee has not been the front-runner at this point in the cycle. In 2007, (laughs) uh, uh, McCain's lead fell behind in the polls and in fundraising, and looked like he was about out of the picture. In 2012, Herman Cain, Rick Santorum, and Newt Gingrich all seemed to be the front-runners at some point during 2011, and Mitt Romney uh, ended up being our nominee. Uh, Side note. In 2012, Mitt Romney won 226 congressional districts but lost the popular vote by 5 million. The point here is how we win our districts is different than how you win a national campaign. And a national campaign is won in 30 House districts. It is approximately 30 House seats in certain states that ultimately will determine who the next president of the United States is. If you think about Ohio, you think about Nevada, you think about uh, Virginia; it gets down to some crossover swing seats, and we know which ones those are. We're already very much engaged in that action. Um, as we uh, as we look at the change that's occurred this fall, nobody did more to help our cause year in and year out than John Boehner. He was all over the country. His you know, uh, eight zillion mile, never-ending bus tour from one end of the country to the other every year it was hugely productive, not only for the NRCC but also for the members that he helped and the candidates that he helped. Uh, he will be sorely missed uh, and already is. However, I would tell you that if anybody could step into those shoes and wear them well, it is Paul Ryan. Uh, given his uh, role as the VP nominee under one Mitt Romney given his uh, incredible uh, communication skills and ability, uh, he has not only stepped into those shoes, he is wearing them well and we are moving forward. And in fact, in the first four days of his speakership, our online fundraising set a new record for the NRCC. So uh, we have a uh, a popular uh, speaker who is uh, not afraid to uh, not shave, uh, being the first speaker since 1831 to wear a beard. He and I have been growing it for the same length of time. <laughs> I'm not consuling it like that. <laughs> uh, and so we, uh, we, we now uh, go into this cycle uh, looking at races that you're going to hear from this morning as some of our top priorities going forward. But, but let me also put it in context about what's out there in the electorate. National security, I won't get into great detail on. You know now is bumping as the number one issue in the country as people feel threatened and they feel that the Obama administration's foreign policy has been something uh, worse than a disaster. The other issue is the economy and how that affects different uh, groups of voters, principally women and young voters. Interestingly enough, we actually won the vote of 18 to 34 year olds in the last cycle. We won that vote in our house races. We have every reason to believe we will win it again, and we have ways to do that. I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but um, I would just tell you that uh, the 18 to 34-year-old year voters in the districts where we compete are different than those in urban areas where we don't compete. So when you look at the national polling data, understand that is not necessarily reflective of the districts that are represented here or in our conference. Second. The Great Recession uh, nudged many millennials back into their parents' homes, uh, and somewhat reluctantly. Most parents in this room probably know that well. Uh, (laughs) The largest share um, of young American women are living with families now than at any time since the 1940s. Since the 1940s, more young women have moved back home than at any other time. Um, in in this age group of 18 to 34-year-olds. Finally, uh, when it comes to uh, trust factors, if you think Hillary Clinton is going to win these folks over, then you need to understand that in a recent Quinnipiac poll, only 37% thought Clinton was honest and trustworthy, and a whopping 63% said she was neither. Uh, 47%, by the way, thought Sanders was honest and trustworthy. So she is not winning over these voters. We have a way to go in with a good, solid economic message and a national security message that will allow us not only to hold what we have, but I believe also gain.